relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. Never take your friends for granted. I've got a good buddy. He's far too far away. He's in that quasi-communist place called California, and he is a great supporter of this show. Why? Because we've made a kind of splinter version of the show every week. It's called Making Movies Great Again, and we're celebrating toxic masculinity in good films. You've got to catch it every Monday. It is our third hour. If you go to our podcast, the regular America First podcast, you can catch it there. You can watch the the video on Rumble. So don't forget, every Monday afternoon, 5 p.m. Eastern is Making Movies Great Again. And his name is Chris Coles. He's been a guest on the show frequently because of his great content on his channel, Mr. Reagan. You've got to subscribe on YouTube and also his new channel, Alpha Critic. And we're going to have a one-on-one just with Chris about anything we want to talk about. Welcome back to the show, Chris Coles. Well, thank you so much, Sebastian Gorka. Uh, You know, honestly, every week I look forward to (laughs) both watching the film that we're going to cover and talking about the film that we're going to talk about uh, when we record these uh, these episodes for Making Movies Great Again, it's one of the highlights of my week. It's weird. You know, you would think that going back and watching films I've already seen most of them uh, wouldn't be that exciting. But it really is fun to go back and watch these old movies from the 80s. Yeah, I have to say that, that I think you said it first when we were recording one, one of our, our, our episodes. You, 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 you had somebody comment at home, ask you, you know, you're watching a movie from the 80s. And, and they said, what are you doing? And you said... I'm working. Now, now, how cool is that? that, <laughs> that right. We get to watch the best of the best movies and then really? call it work and then talk about it in front of three million people on my show and then share it on your platforms. It, it really is. You, know, they, they, these are the kind you of- have made my week better every week. Well, oh, that's too nice. That's too nice. <laughs> but you know, every week when I sit down either by myself, you know, or either I can cajole my wife to say, hey, you need to watch Back to the Future with me, you know, again. It's just – and then I make notes. I was sitting down with my son before Christmas with a yellow pad in my man cave smoking cigars as we were watching Predator and I was making notes. It just – come on. Who, who, who does that for a living? Me and Chris. <laughs> it's a good that's, life. That, it's a good life, it. yeah. All right. So for those who uh, have been uh, under a rock for the last couple of years, who've missed our first – I don't know. We must be on, what, episode – eight or nine of making movies great again if you've missed chris's content on uh, youtube shame on you but let's talk a little bit about who you are as as my friends uh, from the great podcast uh, trigonometry in the uk say at the beginning of their shows so who are you and what is your journey in life that has brought you to where you are today mr coles you know, it's funny. We were talking actually on the last episode or the most recent episode that we did of uh, Making Movies Great Again, the last one recorded anyway, uh, about how when I was a kid, much like in Back to the Future, uh, Marty's dad was bullied. I was bullied as a kid and I always had like a nerdy sidekick and I was kind of like this lone wolf guy and I would get picked on. And so I would see other kids being picked on in the schoolyard and I would try to emulate my favorite heroes from movies, you know, and I would go up to the bullies with corny lines like, 
pick on someone your own size, you know, stuff like that. And I'd always try to fight these bullies and stuff. And that was my, that was like my mentality as a kid. Like, uh, if I don't like getting picked on, I don't want to see some other kid get picked on. So I was always going to try to be the hero and defend them. And I think that that mentality, that sort of maybe, maybe you'd call it like a complex, right? Like a superhero complex or something. No, no, no. Hang on, dude, dude, dude. You're you're talking to my soul. It has nothing to do with being a superhero. If you want to piss me off, the only thing that will piss me off the most is, is witnessing injustice. That's all you're talking about. That's absolutely right. But I think that there is a cultural thing to it. Like when I was growing up in the 80s, that was the cultural norm is that you go and you protect somebody who is being hurt. Right. right? You you, you go and you stop an injustice from happening. And uh, that was a cultural value that we had. And so for me, that was natural. That was obvious. That that was an easy uh, choice to make every time Uh, because I was a little bit maybe more brave or stupid or whatever than some of the other kids. So I'd go and I'd want to fight the bully. And that has kind of like, I, I don't know, I, I guess it's culminated in this, like doing the work that we do, right? You, you look at what's happening in Washington, D.C., or you look at what's happening in the world and you say, OK, Democrats are saying that, you know, women are being victimized and black people are being victimized and gay people are being victimized. And you look at the country and you go, uh, are they, though? Are they really? And then they use that as an excuse to victimize other people or to steal money or to be corrupt or whatever it is they want to do. They're like, we got to save the environment. So we have to pay, you know, $900 trillion in order to do that. And then, of course, they just, you know, give it to their donors and they're just ripping off the American people. And I look at that kind of stuff and I say, you know what? You're ruining the quality of life of people. You are uh, you're making the country worse. You're ruining the ethics of the country. You're trying to validate pedophilia with these, you know, drag queen story hour BS crap. You know, you're trying to desensitize kids into this like weird sexual crap. And I say we have to stand up against it. And I think that it comes from that whole schoolyard, you know, playground bully thing that I didn't like to see as a kid. Now I, I go at it as an adult uh, on, you know, on YouTube kind of in the same way. I, I, I think that it's turned into that. I, I, live, I love that, and we need far far more of that. And, and, you know, for those who think otherwise, let me be very explicit here, we don't rehearse anything on this show. There, there are famous people out there. I'm not going to drop drop the dime on them right now. There are very famous conservative radio hosts who actually have fake callers. Mm. They, they, have, they, they tell somebody to call in and ask a certain question. We, we, don't, we don't do any of that stuff. We don't. So, so I, I can vouch for that. I've actually asked you, what are we covering today? And you're like, this stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just, I, because when you've got really good guests, yeah. you, you don't need to rehearse anything. This isn't, we're not doing, you know, King Lear. This isn't Troilus and Cressida, okay? We don't need a script. This is a life. And when it comes to radio, you can tell when it's faked. You can tell when it's rehearsed. You can tell when things are scripted. So I haven't scripted any of this. And if you don't want to go there, you just say you don't want to go there. But, you know, it really piqued my curiosity when we, we, we did the Back to the Future episode that you, you said you identified with this story because, you know, you saw Biff the bully and, and Marty's dad being bullied and you were bullied at school. Who was Chris Coles at school? Because you're a handsome guy. You're a smart guy. You became an actor. You became a writer. I, I, I was a very weird guy at school. I, I was massive. I was overweight for a large chunk of, of my time in school. Then I kind of shot up like, like most you know, boys do. Uh, I hated sports. I was a slack. I was smart, but a super slacker. I mean, I could get away with not doing any homework usually. 
and I kind of hung out with the oddballs. Not the geeks. The, I, I didn't like the geeks. I didn't like the fir- we had. They here you have jocks. In the UK, it was the first fifteen rugby team. I didn't hang out with the first fifteen rugby team or the geeks. I kind of had a little. The the island of misfit toys was my gang, and there was about you know six of us. I'm curious what what was Chris's, what was your metier? Who was your gang? I did not have a gang. This is what I had. I, I I had myself and I always had some kind of a sidekick. You know, I would always have like one close friend and yeah. they were always like a little bit more socially inept than I was. And what, <laughs> so, uh, what were you into? I, I wasn't particularly studious. I, I was a bit of a slacker like you were. I often got these marks like, uh, you know, Chris doesn't live up to his potential. Yeah. You know, that sort of classic line yeah. that you hear in movies and TV shows. Right. I always got that. Uh, in the 80s, studying just wasn't that cool. Like, it wasn't a cool thing to do. And, and uh, you know, I wanted to be cool. I actually wanted to be more popular. I didn't really understand why I wasn't. I, I was one of the – I was kind of like a weird person where I – I guess because I had a good family and I had a really charismatic father and my, my mother was very funny. And so I would go home and, you know, I was kind of a cute kid, I think. And I would look in the mirror. I'd go, why don't people like me? <laughs> and, then, and then I and then I would and then I would think oh, they're idiots. I'm awesome. You know, and then I'd go play with my Legos or whatever it was. You know, <laughs> like I, I didn't really I mean, I cared, but I just it didn't affect it didn't like traumatize me or anything. But I always had like one friend every year, and I used to, I you I always had one enemy as well. I always had one like arch nemesis every year, and I had one good friend, and then that was it. And then once I got to I think it was like sophomore year of high school, I made the decision that okay, I'm going to go to college in a couple of years. I got to stop caring what anybody thinks of me at school, uh, and stop really like working toward impressing anybody, and just kind of do my own thing. And as soon as I did that, I was popular. People liked okay, me. Okay, we, 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 we have to dig a little bit deeper on that. That is absolutely yeah. fascinating. He looked at himself in the mirror and he said, I'm awesome. They're idiots. That's why we love Chris Coles. This is America First one-on-one. This is the fun stuff, guys. If you enjoyed it as much as we enjoy making it for you. Don't forget, it's absolutely free to subscribe. Go to Spotify, plug in my name, Sebastian Gorka, America First. Leave us a five-star review and share the links with your friends. Because we have a republic and a civilization to save. If you like America first, if you want to be true blue America first, you've got to prove it, don't you? You've got to be able to prove to the world that you are America first. How do you do that? You check out all the amazing America first gear at our store, made in America. No Chinese tat. We have the t-shirt celebrating the president's announcement. MAGA is back, Trump 2024. We have the, uh, the, the MAGA returns hat. We have the FBI t-shirt. Hottest selling item. I designed it. My team said, you're crazy, Mr. G. That's far too extreme, but you guys love it. FBI, Fascist Bureau of Intimidation, and as well as the challenge coin that you designed, our dear listeners, with the president, with the America First logo and the Stay Frosty motto. Go to SebGorkaStore.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A store. Got on the scales again today. I've lost another two and a half pounds. Guys, that's that's beyond my wildest dream. I'm pushing 35 pounds I've lost in less than three months. How? Because her PhD weight loss and nutrition system is super easy. No calorie counting, no stupid starvation diets, and no craves. It's the easiest. It's the only diet I've been on ever that truly works. 20 years of trying to lose the weight. I'm now within striking distance of my target weight. My wife is ecstatic. And even Mike Gallagher, he's lost 50 pounds. 
pounds. Find out for yourself. It's an amazing system. Please call 828 828- Five five two three 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 three. Book your first consultation. Their advisors stick with you through the whole process. They talk to you every week. It really, really works. I have not felt this good in over twenty years. That's eight two eight five five two three 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 three. Or just go to their website, myphdweightloss.com. That's my phdweightloss.com. You will not regret it. All right, before we get to what you're doing today, Chris, which, which I, I love so dearly, everything you're doing on, on YouTube, um, I want to talk about how, what happened between high school and, and, and you know, Mr. Reagan. But mm. also, talk to us a little bit about, because this is important, we, we forget this. You weren't just you know, in the schoolyard seeing somebody get bullied and deciding to do something about it. Your value system must have come from your family. Talk to us a little bit about the, how how you how those values were translated into to your values. Well, absolutely. I, he, okay, here's the core of it, and this is actually something I've never really talked about. I think anywhere with anybody, um, but my grandfather was a very good man, very good man, and my grandmother was a very good woman, and they they were very strong Christians. And I, you know, I had friends who were atheists and I had, you know, I had um, relatives who were atheists and I, you know, on my my mom's side of the family. And I could see the difference. Like the difference was palpable. You could see. In in what way? In in the way they behaved or their happiness? What was so palpable about those who had faith and those who didn't? Yeah, it, it was it was the way they behaved. It was it was to some degree, their level of happiness, but more so it was just about a kind of a sense of purpose and uh, a sense of, I think, contentment about the universe and everything like that. Like I have one relative who I won't name who on my mother's side who just has an unbelievable temper. And it's it's like is a legitimate problem for the family. And I think that if that person had grown up with a sort of a a fundamental like Christian ethic, uh, they would have had much more peace in their life, and they would have grown up with a, a, a better sense of maturity, and, and at least the kind of Christianity that was practiced by my father's family, because, you know, we had our problems. It wasn't like a perfect family. You know, there was a little bit of bickering here and there. My grandmother disapproved of certain boyfriends or, you know, marriages or whatever. But at the end of the day, you knew that the family loved you, and they knew they had their best interest in heart. And, and at the end of the day, it was like, this was kind of like the 1950s Id- idyllic American family. Again, not as perfect as like a TV show might portray, but at the core, I, I always felt that the family was good, good people with, that had good intentions and really wanted the best, not just for the family, but for the world. And I think when you grow up in that kind of an environment, you do kind of grow up with a sense of purpose and a, a sort of contentment about the world that, like, there are good people in this world. I think it's the people who grow up not knowing there's good people in the world yeah. that end up be- voting Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to politics in a moment. So, so both of my parents worked. I, I was an only child, so I spent a lot of time with my, my grandfather. Did you spend a lot of time with your grandparents? Is that how you got to know their value system? Yeah, I, we were lucky enough to live pretty close. Uh, we lived pretty close. Actually, my parents moved 
like right next to the town that my my father grew up in, and so we're right there. Actually, they're remodeling my grandparents' house now. They're they're wow. they've been dead for many years now, but uh, it was weird. I went back to their house to, just just recently and you know tried on my grandfather's jacket. That was kind of a a, straight, a fun thing to do. But wow. uh, yeah, I mean I mean yeah, they were pretty close. I spent a lot of time with them. But also, I will say that my parents also instilled the same values in me. It's not like you know, it it stemmed from my grandparents and and I will say my mother's parents were also good people but um it did stem from them but but my parents were also very good they they instilled good values and uh I th- I do think having a good father is absolutely critical for the appropriate development of both boys and girls if you don't have a a good father I mean, I think that you're you're kind of in trouble. It, it's uh, you know we could spend the next you know three hours on, on that alone. For 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 girls, they have to feel protected. They have to understand mm-hmm. the role of, of a man as protector. My daughter has told me it's so. My wife has told me you know the, the, you have a role to play as a father to make women feel safe. And for boys, there's so much. I mean, just sense of purpose. Uh, I've seen it amongst my son's friends that if you don't show, you know, affirmation to a young man in in their value system, they will be lost. I mean, if you don't inculcate them with a value system, then affirm it. And then also, if you don't teach them, for example, one of the key things is that that I've been analyzing is the use of force and violence. And when force is appropriate and when force isn't uh, appropriate uh, and, and, you know, protecting the vulnerable. These are things only a father can teach a son, and, and, and these things it, it cannot be replaced by anybody else except in very rare circumstances. Okay, um, so what happens between high school, that decision that you're not going to care about you know, the, the judgments of, of others that, that kind of switches things for you, and Mr. Reagan? So what, what was your career path, Chris? Well, I decided to go into to filmmaking and primarily as a writer. I wanted to write. I wanted to create worlds. I wanted to kind of do what we do, but in a more subtle way. Instead of doing uh, a show where I talk about politics, I would make films in which the ethics of the characters were, you know, traditional values, and they had, you know, a, you know, the stories were moral, or they, at least they had some kind of a moral core that you could, that you could see and and respect, or or maybe. Um, uh, you know, something that was ideal that you could want to be like or want to emulate. So I wanted to make these sort of maybe old-fashioned value films and, and TV shows and stuff like that. And so I came to L.A. to do that. I, actually, my father has a very successful business up in Oregon. And one day he called me and he's like, uh, hey, Chris, uh, you going to take over the business or what's going on? I'm like, <laughs> like, no, Dad, I'm going to Los Angeles. I'm going to be a writer. You know. <laughs> so what was the reaction of your, your family that lives in the real world, successful you know, yeah. business father. What happened when you said, I'm going to make movies? You know, what's funny about that is like I've talked – my brother's interested. My brother Nick – I called my brother once and I said, hey, what do you think about what I'm doing? You know, this is back when I was like a struggling writer, uh, you know, trying to get anybody that, you know, I could to get to read my stuff, which nobody ever really did. But uh, I'm trying to get uh, – trying to figure that out. And I'm like, what do you think about this career path? And he goes, well, Chris, I don't – I can't imagine you doing anything else. Like ever since we were children, you were always coming up with stories, telling me, you know, we'd see Santa Claus on the roof of my neighbor's uh, house. 
And I'd tell my brother, I'd come up with this like, like vast story about Santa that night and why he's up on the house that night and stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, cause he, you know, he had a figure up there, uh, you know, so I just come up with stories about anything. And I tell my brother these stories every night cause we shared a room and he's like, yeah. I, and he had a more better insight than anybody else. Cause he was the one that had to hear the stories all the time. Right. <laughs> You know, and so he was like, no, Chris, this is, of course, you have to do this. This is like your whole, this is what your whole life has been leading up to. You're a storyteller. That's what you do. So for him, it was natural and normal. For my father, he was a more practical person. Like you say, he, he thought, look, you know, Hollywood is for the Hollywood people. It's not for normal people. You can't just go to Hollywood and, and break into Hollywood. Like as a writer, you can't do that. And Turns out he was kind of right. Like it, it's almost impossible, really. I mean, for me, it was. A lot of people can do it. There's different ways to do it. For me, what ended up happening is I I started the Mr. Reagan channel, and uh, what's weird is that every once in a while in life, you tr you I failed at a lot of stuff. I was a very unlucky person. Basically, my whole ever since I graduated from high school, nothing ever really works out for me. And uh, w when I came up with the idea for the Mr. Reagan, stay, stay, uh, stay there, stay there. I want to yeah. put up people on tenterhooks for a moment because I want to hear what happened because I have a specific question okay. about that moment when it all exploded. So stay there. Yeah. Uh, dear friends, don't forget, if you enjoy the show, you can subscribe to us on all social media channels by YouTube. We are on Twitter, Truth Social, Facebook, Instagram, Parler, Getter, Telegram, Clout Hub. If you want to watch us, it's SalemNewsChannel.com. And most recently, you should subscribe to SebastianGorka.Substack.com. That's SebastianGorka.Substack.com. MyPillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. You all have helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, my buddy, the inventor and CEO, wants to give back to my listeners. The Percal bedsheet set is available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they're on sale. For example, the queen size is regularly $89.98, but now for you, just $39.98 with your listener promo. Order now, because when they're gone, on, they're gone. The Percal sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. It's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-829-8468, promo code Gorka, or just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio list of square, and plug in G-O-R-K-A. That's 1-800-829-8468 or MyPillow.com. Code Gorka. All right, so you, you, you spun me this reel about being a failure all your life. I don't believe it for a millisecond. Uh, and, then, and then something happened. What happened, Chris Coles? Tell us the genesis of Mr. Reagan. Well, I think I was watching Dinesh D'Souza. I was watching... Uh, I, I, there, there was a few guys. You mean my Crowder. Salem colleague, Dinesh D'Souza. That's what you yeah, meant to good, say. You're, you're good friend, The man, the man I traveled to Jerusalem with just a lot, my last month. That, yeah, yeah, your buddy. I mean, he well, – because you, you, you must remember, like, when Trump was elected, it was kind of a weird time. And Ben Shapiro and Dinesh D'Souza were, like, traveling to different colleges. Yes. And they were essentially, like, getting questions from, from leftist college students who, who weren't really prepared – to face off against people of that caliber. Well, th th this, like, is, this is when the YouTube uh, Shapiro destroys liberal thing. Yes. I mean, this is when Dinesh it. destroys. This is when it became a meme, right? Yeah, which, by the way, for those who don't aren't aware of this, that was the time in which they started saying 
words or violence. Yes. And they started blocking people from the college campuses. That was at the time when they started coming up with this theory of like, well, if even a conservative idea is dangerous. And so we've got to start. So all the stuff that's happening on Twitter now and social media and YouTube censoring everybody, it's all stems from Dinesh D'Souza and uh, Ben Shapiro and Steven Crowder and these guys and just being so dang good and even like Milo Yiannopoulos just shutting down leftists so hardcore yeah. that it was humiliating for them right. and they couldn't rec- and they were like how do we stop this oh i know because because leftist ideas are ridiculous and conservative ideas for the most part are pretty logical and rational and so when you compare the two it becomes very obvious very quickly and leftists are like okay we've been lying to people for a long time but now because of the internet people are starting to cop on and get red pilled how do we stop that i know We'll just stop the conservatives from being able to speak at all. We'll control the information, right? And so that's – they took that next step from just presenting a a, a believable lie to stopping anybody from telling the truth. Uh, And so that's kind of how that happened. But I'm watching these guys, and I'm like, oh, man, these guys are are so great. I want to see more. And it was one Saturday – uh, I had nothing to do, and I was trying – I really wanted to watch more political stuff, and I had kind of run out of videos to watch. And I thought, you know, some some a-hole with a camera and a microphone has got to make some new video content for YouTube. <laughs> and then I thought, wait a minute, I, I have a camera and I have a microphone. I'm the a-hole. <laughs> and so I grabbed the, <laughs> the mic and I grabbed the camera. And like instantly I thought, okay, who's somebody I admire? Because at the time people were using like pseudonyms for their YouTube channel. And I thought, okay. And, and like, you, did, you, uh, didn't, know, and you thought. didn't know me yet. I didn't know you personally, no. <laughs> Uh, uh, but like Sargon of Akkad and these kind of guys that I watched, they used these pseudonyms. And I thought that's kind of cool. And I was like a Hollywood actor at the time, a little bit here and there. And I thought, well, I don't really want to out myself as a conservative with using my name. So I thought, who's somebody I admire from history that's a conservative? Ronald Reagan. Okay, I'll call it Mr. Reagan. In, so my brother used to have this shirt with uh, Ronald Reagan's uh, picture in a silhouette, like, uh, y- you know, those um, Che Guevara shirts? Yes. So, so he had a Ronald Reagan one. I always thought that was super cool. So I was like, okay, I'll do something that kind of looks like that for my logo. And it was just like, boom, boom, boom. I had everything like instantly. How did and as no, soon as th- I, th- this is what blows my mind. This is what I do mm-hmm. not understand for a nanosecond. How mm-hmm. on earth, how on earth had nobody registered the Mr. Reagan YouTube channel already? <laughs> Well, I yeah, I'm so jealous. It seems it seems it seems obvious. And 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 as soon as I thought of it, I knew okay, this is going to be successful. Like I knew immediately this is going to be successful. And uh, originally, this the the big videos that I was making that kind of blew up were about Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson was blowing up at the time, and I was reacting to some of the uh, some of the stuff. I I, I got to ask you about that because that that I wasn't aware of the first time I. I got to know about you or to start following you was uh, AOC was uh, the Gillette satire. So I want to hear about uh, those original videos and also your take on Jordan Peterson, because that's really important. He is Mr. Reagan USA on Twitter. It's the Mr. Reagan channel. How he did that on YouTube, I don't know. It's also the Alpha Critic as well. And don't forget, every Monday, 5 o'clock here on America First, it's Making Movies Great Again with Chris Coles. If you enjoy America First, check out all the America First gear 
at our website, sebgorkastore.com. Hottest selling item right now is the FB. How did, you, how did Eric know that? That is creepy. That is, that is like Vulcan mind melt. Fascist Bureau of Intimidation. Get yours today. It literally cannot make them fast enough. You guys love it. Sebgorkastore.com. That's sebgorkastore.com. And the Joe Biden's Gestapo, the FBI mug. Check them all out right now. This is a red alert for hardworking Americans who are tired of seeing their freedoms and savings threatened by the globalist agenda. Wealth Protection Research is on a mission to find whistleblowers who are exposing the schemes that threaten your financial security. We're talking about real patriotic financial warriors like Jim Rickards and Porter Stansberry. They're not afraid to tell it like it is, exposing how the system is rigged against you. Text IDEAS to 76626 to find out more. With the 2024 election Storming our way, your IRA and your 401k appear to be in the crosshairs. That's why we've compiled our three favorite ideas from Freethinkers. Don't wait for a knock on your door telling you it's too late. Get this critical report. Text IDEAS to 76626. The fight for your financial freedom is on. Text IDEAS to 76626 now for your free report. That's IDEAS to 76626. Standard text and data rates may apply. Let's talk about those initial videos. Why did you start about Jordan Peterson? The first one that I did, he was facing off against this guy, and I forgot what his name is, but he he is this is this race baiting black guy. I forget his name. And th- this guy used a lot of um, uh, multisyllabic words, right? He's, <laughs> he was just riddle off was all it, of these words. Was it like words. Cornell West, somebody like that showing off? Yeah, something like that. It was um, oh god, I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, one of your one of your producer guys should figure this out. I can't remember. <laughs> let, let me know if they figure it out. Uh, but but he so he would come. He was ripping off these words, and I realized like this guy is he sounds smart because he's using esoteric language that people don't understand. Right. And a lot of the stuff, and I I was breaking down slowly. I would I would like listen to segments of what he's saying and then i would express what he meant like what he was trying to say and some of the stuff didn't even really make sense <laughs> but because he spoke so quickly and he was uh, he was expressing himself with such big words that he obviously memorized like a bunch of big words to make himself sound smart and i said you know this is this is what people with bad ideas do they they will express an idea with language that's difficult to understand they'll be unclear so you'll think oh that guy's smarter than me and therefore he must be right and i'll just respect what he says and it really annoyed me and so i went ahead and i made a video saying look he's responding to jordan peterson you know this way and i kind of broke it down i I broke down what was going on in the in the video and that was kind of my first kind of decent video that did well i think it got like well over a hundred thousand views or something i thought okay this is now we got something and And why why explain to me why a jordan peterson video or or debate i think the guy's name is michael eric dyson oh yes 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 but and but why why tell tell us about the significance of jordan peterson and why you started there well, I love Jordan Peterson. I mean, he he you know, when I was a kid, I came up with this story about a character at the at the end of the story, the character realized that America was never going to just become more Christian. It was probably going to become more and more uh, uh, agnostic and more and more atheist. And so my character at the end of this story sits down and he starts to write a book of ethics 
that is essentially Christian-based ethics without the spirituality of, of God and the supernatural nature of, of Christianity. And it was just like ethics for atheists, right? And Jordan Peterson kind of, Jordan Peterson, because I recognized that there was a need for that in our society, because we we're losing our ethics, because people hated Christianity so much, hated God so much. This is like in the 90s, I noticed this, and that they were just throwing out the ethics of Christianity along with the spirituality. They just hated God, a lot of people in America. And so when Jordan Peterson came around, he actually was speaking to atheists and saying, look, you can't, you can't just hate Christianity. There's a lot of value to these lessons. And if you live your life rejecting Christian ethics because you hate Christianity, you're going to live a miserable life. And what was weird is, like, I have a good friend from college who called me up. He found my channel, and he was like, oh, Chris, you've got this cool channel. I love it. I've been watching Jordan Peterson, and I started going to church and I'm like, you're kidding me. And he's like, no, no, man. I started to realize that my sort of like hatred of Christianity was completely irrational. And I, I should start like not being so vicious about it. And, he, and he's like, well, man, maybe it's even right. So I started going to church. I'm like, you're kidding me. So Jordan Peterson really had a, an incredible impact on the culture uh, just a few years ago. And then, of course, he got sick and he kind of disappeared for a little while. Now he's back. He's doing some great stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he had a great impact on the culture, just sort of like waking people up and drawing people, you know, away so, from this hatred of Christianity, I feel like. Uh, you know, I, I want this to be about you, but I, I think, you know, what you're doing is so linked to the kinds of things that, that Dr. Peterson is doing. Let me just ask one more question here. A lot of people for decades have been trying to convince atheists or agnostics that, you know, the values of Western civilization are important and we're actually a Christian mm -hmm. civilization, whether you, you know that or not. What was it, or what is it about Peterson that you think resonates? Uh, you know, I think that he was, he was, there's a number of things. First of all, he's kind of got a Mr. Rogers-like quality to him. He's very disarming. You know, he seems he's extremely intelligent. So there's all of these reasons. And he also has the validity of being a clinical psychologist and, and, and a respected clinical psychologist. But then he like emerged at exactly the nexus point of when um, atheist libertarians were starting to recognize that they had more in common with conservative Christians yeah. than they did with atheist leftists. Yeah. That was like a weird moment, right? And, and the reason is because a libertarian doesn't want to be told that he or she has to call somebody by their you know, preferred pronoun. And at the, at, the reason Jordan Peterson became famous early on is because he stood up against uh, Canada's propo uh, proposed like, law in which they were going to like, find people or get people in ma some kind ma of Mandate language. Yeah. Uh -huh. They were going to say, if you don't call somebody by their preferred pr pronouns, there's going to be some kind of consequence. And he said, you know, this is a violation of civil rights. You cannot do this. You cannot mandate that somebody call somebody by their preferred pronoun. If, I, if that girl looks like a she and I call her a she, you know, don't hold a gun to my head and say, call her she. You know, that's ridiculous. No, what, what, what he said, which was so which really was the reason for his explosion, is he said, as a human being who has empathy, I will, out of courtesy, I will comply with that student or whoever who clearly is not a, a man or a woman to give you know, the, the, the recognition by that 
chosen pronoun, but the government forcing me to do that is wrong, and I will not comply with a government forcing me to do that. And I think that's that's the, that's the touchstone. That's the moment that the you know the blue touch paper was lit on the firework. I, I'm loving this. I wish we could do this for hours. We've only got a couple of minutes left. These are, these are the conversations that matter, my friend. Uh, if you're listening to this and, and, and something is you know resonating, it's because these are the conversations of consequence. We have fun with Chris. But when you actually talk about values and why they matter, then you're Mm -hmm. actually having a serious discussion that isn't just fun but has consequences. That's why Chris is a good, good friend of this show. It's Mr. Reagan on YouTube. It's the Alpha Critic on YouTube. It's Mr. Reagan USA on Twitter. Follow all of them. Subscribe and support this man. Let me ask you the question. It's really the most exciting question I get to ask um, the friends of the show and people who come on. Because the people who come on are, have courage. Why mm. do you do what you do? You, you, you come from Hollywood. You shouldn't be doing any of this. You should be hiding <laughs> from the truth. You should be no. pro-transgender pedophiles and transgender <laughs> abuse of children. Why do you do what you do, Chris? Yeah, and it's worse for me than some of these guys in Hollywood because, you know, if you've already succeeded, then they can't, you know, it's a little bit harder for them to cancel you sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I, I was not successful in Hollywood, and I, and I sort of made the transition to doing this stuff. And uh, look, it, it's, it's something that I would have done anyway in stories, and now I just do it directly where I talk much more directly about the, about the stuff that I, that's important to me. I was talking uh, to my brother about what's the next step for the left, because they're always trying to push the envelope of the culture, right? And where can they go now? And like, what evil are they going to promote and say is acceptable? Like to me, it's to me, if you take a mental illness, like transgenderism, and you say that's normal, and that's totally fine. And if you take people who are cross dressers, you know, drag queen story hour, you know, hanging out with kids and go, Oh, that's perfectly fine. Let's normalize that. You're getting I mean, like, how create like, where are you going? Right? And the only place I could see them going is normalizing pedophilia. That's the next step. And to me, that is the most despicable, disgusting, horrifying thing I could possibly imagine. Like, I have nieces and nephews. I don't have kids of my own. But if anybody, you know, if anybody did anything to those kids, I would literally kill them. I would kill them. And I think most people feel kind of the same way about it. Even, Even leftist parents, of course, you know, they feel the same way. And so I do think that that is the point in which America will shift is when that starts to become normalized. At least I hope so. But the left is pretty dang good at tricking people. Okay, you know, I live in L.A. Sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) The left is pretty good at tricking people into just going along with absolute insanity. But. and, but, and that, that could happen. But you've absolutely nailed it. So, so this, this is, I didn't come up with this. Somebody, you know, far more philosophical than I did. A, civiliza- a nation, a civilization, a society will be measured in the final analysis by whether or not it protected the most vulnerable in that society. Forget everything else. Forget laws, bills, culture. Did you protect the most vulnerable? Did you protect the elderly? Did you protect the unborn? Did you protect children? And the left... The left is coming after the children. They've already killed yeah. you know, a million children in the womb every single year with abortions. Now they're trying to normalize euthanasia. The next will be the normalization of pedophilia. And they the call m- it minor attracted persons Minor now. attracted persons. They don't even persons. call them pedophiles anymore. And, and there's even a police force in the UK, the Scottish police force, 
that mm-hmm. has started using that terminology. Not pedophilia, minor attracted persons. It is up to us. It is up to decent human beings. It is especially up to the male of the species. It's up to us men to stop them. I, I wish we could continue. We shall continue. Chris, you are a breath of fresh air, and you are now a success. I officially stamp you a success. <laughs> You're not just Thanks. cool. You are a success as well. He's Mr. Reagan. Follow him right now. He's also the Alpha Critic. Wherever you are, dear friends, keep your head on a swivel. Watch your six. Hold the line. Never give up. Never give in. And stay frosty. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.